coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts, DynastyLeagueFootball.com if you don't like the acronym. Okay, buckle up because uh, I got to get on the road in like uh, so many hours because I was, you know, I was me and I left this to way too late in the week and it's time for me to get on the road to Ohio pretty soon and I got to get some sleep. So we're going to do a quick recap uh, of the breakout research before we get into the values that are popping up in my ranks because honestly, they conflict a little bit and that's conflicting. Um, just as a quick recap, based on the trends over the last, based on last year, compared to what normally happens in an average year, and just expecting some level of regression on a year-to-year basis in terms of the number of breakouts we have, wide receivers were expecting stability. We're expecting some low-level returns, but we had a lot of returns already, so not a lot of wide receivers bouncing back um, from a previous down year, a la Cooper Cup or Debo Samuel last year, though I still do have some hope for Juju Smith-Schuster. We're mostly we're expecting a high level of breakout wide receiver, like a top 5, a top 12 guy. Um, running back, we're expecting more repeats. Last year we saw some returns, and we also saw some odd emergencies, like Cordero Patterson as well, um, and some returns as well. So mostly we're expecting a top 12 breakouts, not top 5. And um, that's kind of negative towards CMC and Barkley, who will both be returns. But Barkley technically already returned to the top 36 last season, and his ADP is more than adjusted for. And CMC is CMC, so get off my case about it. I still like him a lot. Uh, at tight end, we're expecting breakouts. Uh, this mi- I might have underemphasized this, just assuming everyone was going to read the articles. But if if I did, like know it now, we have not seen enough tight end breakouts over the last couple years. And based on last year's tight end makeup of the top five or even the top twelve, but specifically in the top five, we should expect more breakouts. Normally, we get about two players breaking out into the top five for the first time every year. And last year, we saw one. And it was Dalton Schultz. So we should expect to see that double this year, even if it's just going to return to exactly the average. We might even see something a little more exciting than that, especially inside the top 12. And at the quarterback position, we're mostly expecting stability because we've seen a lot of young breakouts happen recently, guys. I know Justin Fields and... Uh, Zach Wilson attempting for the upside of a second-year quarterback who maybe had a bad year because of their coaching staff. And we do see breakouts every year, but especially in terms of the overall five, we're expect- I think it's more likely we see a return to a player turning up into the top five than we see someone breaking out for the first time. Now, again, it does happen to some extent every year, but if you're looking at 2022 compared to 2021, we should expect less unusual or unexpected or unprojected top five quarterbacks than we saw. All right, 
So what does that all boil down to? At the running back position, outside the three top players who are already projected pretty well at running back, Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins are both shaping up for a top 12 breakout year and with different obstacles in their way from the individual context but both of them are well poised given their current career and their current production so far but everyone already kind of loved them in dynasty so it's hard to be high or low on either of them although i think it's fair to definitely try to be but the three that really stand out to me at running back and these are the three that i really wrote up for dlf and also patreon was clyde edwards lair aj Dillon, and elijah mitchell both are fairly well poised going into their third year second year for elijah mitchell which is even better in terms of his career year, to break out into the top 12 for the first time. Now, I know career year and a rough points per game threshold followed by having finished inside the top 36 isn't exciting for breakout analysis. Like, where's all the in-depth analysis of where their touches are coming from? Here's the thing. All that noise, frankly, all that bullshit that has been spread on every podcast that I have ever listened to about why a player is likely to break out. You know what that's resulted in? Breakouts are the worst projection in any type of ADP I've ever seen. We hit repeats, we hit returns at fairly decent accuracy, and we're hitting inside the top 12, but running back and wide receiver around 55 to 52%. That's what all that noise has given us. So why don't we just try out the most common breakouts instead of all that noise? And these are the things that breakouts actually have in common career year and some level of reasonable expectation based on what's gone before them based on where they're at in their current career arc and a slight adjustment based on what we've seen recently in terms of where players have broken out from so we've seen a lot of young breakouts we should probably expect a few older breakouts we've seen a lot of high draft capital breakouts and we haven't seen any low draft or capital breakouts we should probably see a few more in the next coming years just because of a natural regression that's what i'm using for breakout arcs last year i wrote this up purely for wide receivers and of the four wide receivers i mentioned that were not ranked inside the top 24 let alone the top 12 three out of four of them actually broke out inside the top 12 only one of them didn't and that was terry mcclellan and he still finished inside the top 24 that was uh Marcus Brown finished inside the top 24 for the first time as well. So technically it was a breakout, but not top 12. Debo Samuel and Deontay Johnson. It seemed to work last year. And so I'm just expanding it and rolling it over. So who's showing up at the wide receiver position, not just the running back position in terms of expected breakout? Well, we went over this a few different times, I know for sure, but the top five are C.D. Lamb, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, and Darnell Mooney, followed very closely by Armand Ross St. Brown, who I definitely think fits into that category once you look at the kind of tiers of the breakout or the common breakout calculation. Brandon Ayuk and Claypool aren't far behind either, but they're definitely in a separate tier in terms of how common that breakout would be heading into the following year. Tight end position. There are really only two that stand out, and that's Kyle Pitts, no no, no prizes for guessing that one, and Pat Faramuth, followed fairly closely and interestingly by Dallas Goddard. Now, he's already finished inside the top 12 once before, and in fact, he came pretty close to finishing inside the top 5 once, so he doesn't feel like a breakout. And I just think it's interesting that that fifth-year career guy, who's somewhat underrated and has recently had uh, talent added to his depth chart, is still showing up. But really, I think the story is purely with Kyle Pitts and Pat Faramuth in terms of likelihood. There are also 
Again, you can read the articles or look up the research again in the projection sheet if you want a better idea of it. At the tight, at the quarterback position, this is where I feel most shaky about it. Um, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields both show up as the most likely to break inside the top 12 this year. However, that's based on a negative commonality trend shall we call it for points per game thresholds essentially only 40 percent of quarterbacks who break out in their second year or any year have actually beat the points per game threshold the previous year so mac jones and trevor lawrence who both beat the points per game thresholds of the average of breakouts the following year they actually get negative points for being over the points per game threshold the previous year and that seems counterintuitive to me and where quarterback is kind of a difficult position to evaluate in general and normally i don't do it i think mac jones trevor lawrence uh, and even Tua tonga bailoa and uh, to some extent david smells are also interesting but straight up the research so far in its current form says zach wilson and justin fields are most likely but there's a strong negative trend in how many quarterbacks we should expect to see broken out as i said at the start of this little rant all right that's the introduction. Let's see what that has led to in my ranks currently because I've got to stop fiddling with them because the season's getting closer and closer. So who's showing up as the most, the players I'm overdrafting the most in my Superflex PPR ranks that I do for the Dynasty League football? And that's it. That's the introduction. That's what we're going to do after that little rant. Ready? Let's go. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. Lazy and to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat When the mask's not adding up You said I'm checking it out I'm in the Welcome to the ground Okay, so this is a little awkward um, Because based on what I've already just said about breakouts What we should be expecting in 2022 Again, fairly common, but it's young running backs breaking out. That's normally what happens every year. If you're looking for running back breakouts, you're looking for younger guys. And based on what the mess of the top 12 was last year, we should expect that to be even more. The problem is that we've got a so-so rookie class with one premium running back standing at the top and one guy who may pick up pass catching even though he never did it in college and that happens less likely and then a bunch of players that we might like more or less but might require injuries in order to get roles so young running back breakouts are kind of few and far between that has led to two of my top three values in my ranks actually being two older running backs and they're not cmc and saquon barkley you might be surprised to hear it's actually saquon barkley and alvin kamara um, yeah, my second overall value, you know, my ranks stick ADP. I am reaching on Saquon Barkley the hardest at the running back position. In fact, he's my second overall value this year. I'm taking him second overall at position 15 um, or overall uh, 
his ADP is 23 and I would take him at 15th overall and that places him at like a 66% difference between my ranks and, and ADP and again that's the highest running back reach I actually make this year the second highest back running back reach I make this year is Alvin Kamara he's going 54th overall I'm take I'm willing to take him around 34th overall or at least that's where he turns up in my ranks as the eighth overall scoring running back again I know I should fade young running backs especially in 2022 but both of these guys are falling outside the top top 20 picks and I think we're in probably the last quarter of this era's running backs but I think we've still got three more years of these this generation of running backs still being heavily in the conversation for who is likely to be top 12 and so I'm not overly scared about their age I think the lean why lean youth at running back always works except for the fact that we're increasingly the community thinks on a three-year window where they're just interested in young running backs instead of thinking on a year-to-year basis and realizing there's a 10-year trend, not a three-year trend. And that's leading to a lot of value in older running backs because we're also obsessed with youth these days in Dynasty. And that's putting those two as two of my top three values. My top value overall is Jalen Waddle because I feel more secure in the value. I have seen some interesting points where Jalen Waddle doesn't repeat inside the top 12 and in fact somewhat disappoints where he's not not a weekly starter and he's just like a, a flexible top 24 wide receiver that could reach a lot of disappointment um for dynasty players in 2022 and that could see his adp drop significantly uh, this happened to juju smith schuster after his second year for example so it's not like there isn't risk but based on his rookie season and where his adp is at he's the strongest reach i'm willing to make this year in dynasty he's taken 44th overall as a wide receiver 11 per superflex adp and i'm willing to take him uh, at spot 20 as the wide receiver 5 overall which is the strongest reach i make in this year's my ranks versus adp and i'm not sorry i'm actually pretty happy to see that up there after that, I've got a tier of wide receivers. Again, what we should probably expect is older, more unusual wide receivers, but still very skilled. I think Donald Mooney, I'm really upset he's not in my top 15 values this year because I want to be higher on him. And I keep thinking about bumping him up an entire tier of my ranks just to make him show up on this list. And this is one of the reasons I think I've been describing 2022 as like a bad dynasty year because the players I want to go get, Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Donald Mooney, those ones that I think are the best bets to decimate their ADP in terms of overall points expectation that not bad dynasty bets but even if they do it this year I don't think they ascend up the dynasty ranks quite the way that you want or quite the way I would want if I made such a high reach for them in a startup this offseason for example and so they just they end up being like top 20 values instead of top 10 or top 15 but I'm still very very high in them so the tier of wide receivers I've got is Devontae Smith, Jarvis Landry, David Bell, Elijah Moore and CD Lamb. CD Lamb comes in the eighth overall value and the reason he can get into the side the top 10 values from my ranks versus ADP is because as long as he just maintains his production from last year, I think his value is pretty safe in the same way Jalen Waddle could see a decrease. Again, the Juju Smith-Schuster rule. Overall, I think feel pretty confident in their ability to at least maintain, if not improve. And in fact, I think 
C.D. Lamb will break out. He did turn up as the number one likely most common breakout candidate for 2022. And so he's being drafted 19th overall in Superflex ADP as a wide receiver four. And I'm taking him 11th overall as a wide receiver three. So it's not so much the positional rank difference. It's more I'm just willing to reach on younger wide receivers a little bit more than ADP. Especially when one that wide receiver in particular showing up as a common breakout candidate for me now elijah moore we've talked about ad nauseum and dynasty grand and also on this podcast and on my youtube channel i like him a lot but it's really hard to get him too high in fact i think i've gone a little overboard with it and i'm still much lower than consensus ranks versus adp he's taken 91st overall in adp which is way too low as wide receiver 30 I know the wide receiver 30 is probably valued the same as a wide receiver 15, but it just sounds wrong. I've got him as a wide receiver 19, taken 52nd overall in my ranks, creating a 44% difference between my rankings and ADP, and putting him in the top eight values overall. David Bell and Jarvis Landry offer two different kinds of values. They're drafted so late, it didn't really take much. It just meant that I thought they could score points and actually increase in value this year. Uh, and just doing that make, turns them out to be this level of value differences between my ranks and ADP. Jarvis Landry is going 188th overall. I'm taking him 103rd overall. He's going as the 72nd wide receiver off the board, and I'm taking him 42nd. I think he's got a chance of hitting the top 24 again. We know he's seen higher ceiling than that, but in New Orleans, I think... Michael Thomas may be healthy for at least part of the season. Chris Olave is a new rookie. I think top 12 might be too much to help, hope for for Jarvis Landry. But I definitely think we should see, could see one of those returns be Jarvis Landry this year. Devontae Smith is the other guy I mentioned. Again, he turned up on my likely breakout research for this year. But also it's a little easier to be higher than them versus ADP. I've actually got him back to back with Elijah Moore. But because he's drafted uh, below Elijah Moore in Superflex ADP, it means that my value or my difference, my ranking is more drastically different than ADP. And so he's being taken 99th overall. Elijah Moore was 91st. Again, just eight spots different. Um, but I'm taking him back-to-back with Devontae Smith um, at 53rd overall. And I do have it ranked Elijah Moore than Devontae Smith, just to be clear. It just sticks out as much more of a different ranking um, versus ADP because uh, Devontae Smith is drafted nine spots below. All right. Uh, the next players that turn up in my value tier actually start switching positions up a little bit. Patrick Mahomes, who I don't think really counts um, because all rankers have him ranked as a quarterback one in Dynasty Superflex. And I just moved him to the quarterback two, and I'm still higher than ADP. That's essentially because in ADP, apparently, according to DLS Superflex ranks, we're taking Justin Herbert as a quarterback two. I don't hate it. Get your guy, and Herbert's absolutely phenomenal. But it means that I can put Josh Allen at one and still look high on Mahomes. So I took that out. I'm high on all three at this point, and it feels great. Actually, technically, I'm low on Herbert because he's drafted, being drafted as second overall quarterback at the moment. Which seems insane. Trey McBride, I really tried to drag him down so that he didn't turn up into the top 15. Because you don't need him as a top 15 value in your ranks, Pete, just to say you hired Trey McBride. Just mention you like to draft him occasionally, and that's more than most people do. But he's been taking 156 off the board um, in ADP. As one of the more interesting rookie profiles in this 2022 class, like I, I feel really comfortable taking him around 118th overall. There's very few wide receivers left. It's really the Brandon Cooks tier, and then I take Trey McBride. I don't, I don't know how people let really exciting and interesting rookies fall below that mark. 
but but they are i'm taking him as a tight end 10 because anything out the top five tight ends barely matters so why don't i reach on the much more interesting rookie tight end and if, if he has you know does anything sticks to the roster and um, then i think it'll be uh increase in value this time next year that's followed up by wanda robinson again it's just in this range of adp i don't understand why people are taking shots on lavisca chenault or sterling shepherd who i would usually say much more productive but the upside of rookies really pays off at this round of adp i feel and i'm taking all of them like these two players like 20 30 spots higher and it doesn't feel that like that much of a reach to me when I'm doing my rankings. And yet it's creating like a 35% difference between my rankings and ADP. So both Trey McBride and Wanda Robinson show up in my top 11 values versus consensus ADP. My number 12 guy, again, another breakout candidate who I want to rack up an entire tier, but it feels too risky when you're playing a dynasty startup, but I still am significantly above the crowd. He's taken 96 overall in ADP. I'm taking him 63rd overall in ADP, so nearly a 30-spot reach. I'm taking him uh, as wide receiver 25 when he's drafted as wide receiver 34. Again, the value difference in trade is probably very similar there where we rank we value all wide receivers in that tier fairly similarly. But it's Amon Ross St. Brown. He turns up as the sixth most likely breakout candidate for top 12 potential in 2022. And so I like him already. And also he's a lower drafted free, uh, lower drafted prospect who did really well in his rookie year. Like a fourth round pick. Talk about competition all you like. But like there's a reason Donald Mooney's and Amon Ross St. Brown's do that in their rookie year or the second year in terms of Donald Mooney and you know plenty of other fourth round picks don't despite injuries or a lack of talent on the depth chart and that for me is because they are very talented I am not I'm not concerned he's getting more of his competition back this year I'm actually hopeful that could improve the team outlook and increase his scoring opportunities going into his second year the most likely top 24 breakout something he's already done and at the wide receiver position, but I really think he should sustain. He could sustain and lock himself in as one of those young wide receivers from this era of really good young wide receivers, and that could improve his value as well. Either way, I think his points are definitely going to outstrip that wide receiver 34 mark. After that, I've got Brandon Ayuk, who I mentioned in the breakouts. Again, you don't have to do much to be high on Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I'm 31% above ADP consensus, and he's taken 111th overall at wide receiver 42. It's just, it's just, you just are determined to be wrong twice at that point. Um, I'm going to be right twice. That's what I choose to do. So I'm taking him 79th overall as wide receiver 29, 29. Don't know why I said that weird. And honestly, it still kind of feels like stealing. And um, my next value is another wide receiver because I'm leaning way too heavy wide receiver for what we expect in 2022. But it's dynasty. It's why Dynasty might suck in some ways, even though the season's going to be awesome. We're going to see a lot of cool stuff. But good Dynasty process isn't necessarily going to lead you to a directly winning team because of the risks you have to take A kind of risk-averse um, Dynasty moves. But Sammy Watkins, again... I've got him ranked 256th in overall ADP, which is basically undrafted. I'm willing to draft him, and that makes me 30 spots different than the consensus. I, you can talk about Romeo Dubs, who I like, and I've definitely started taking more shots in best ball. Um, and J. Mike Check from the Dynasty Dummy Shows apparently really likes him, and that's a positive news. I don't see too much in his rookie profile to like in terms of his stats, but that's not too unusual. I mean, 
I, I miss players sometimes, and he's in a really good spot. Alan Lazard should probably be the first wide receiver taken, as he is right now, but a decent shot on Sammy Watkins, at least he would just be a repeat in the top 24 and would smash their ADP. So if you're looking for a cheap shot or a wide receiver, I think Sammy Watkins makes one of the more interesting ones, and I'm taking 179th overall, and that apparently makes me really high on Sammy Watkins. Go figure. I don't feel high on Sammy Watkins, but that's the way it shakes out. The next and final top 15 value I've got in my ranks versus ADP is actually Jalen Hurts. So the second quarterback value in my top 15 Superflex ranks. And he's being drafted 14th overall in ADP. I'm taking him 9th overall because I'm going to rack up that top tier of QBs and then let it fade to the second tier as is my general want. He's been taking as a quarterback 9 overall in Superflex ADP and I'm willing to take him as a quarterback 7. Not so much of a difference there. It's just that I'm willing to draft those quarterbacks a little bit higher than ADP is right now, which is creating a 30% difference between my ranks and ADP. And some honorable mentions, because I, I changed some things again since the last time I was looking at this. Pat Faramuth, that other breakout tight end I've mentioned, and I'm gonna do a YouTube video about it just because it's just... It's not, no one seems to care because he had touchdowns, but he should earn more targets. I mean, 79 targets with three target com- heavy target competition wide receivers on his team. Like, that's impressive for a rookie tight end without a Deontay Johnson on your team, let alone with a Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster and, you know, whatever, Chase Claypool. Um, anyway, uh, I think he's a really interesting tight end value right now. He's going 119th overall. We'll reach really high on Mark Andrews, but I won't spend a top 100 pick on a second-year player who had an like probably the second or third most impressive rookie tight end season ever because he caught a caught six touchdowns. Like I, I don't get that. I think uh, I'm drafting him 77th overall as a tight end seven again because outside the top five. Really, who cares? I'm going to reach on the upside, or I'm going to wait till I get Hunter Henry much later. Um, Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram is someone who shows up as a value in both DLF consensus ranks and in my ranks, most rankers that I know. The DLF crew are taking late shots on Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry to a man, and I think that stands out as well. But the for dynasty purposes, I want to reach higher and harder on Pat Faramuth, which again, doesn't actually take that much, taking him the top 80 picks overall as a tight end, you know, whatever that is. If you take him in the eighth round, pretty much you're too high on Pat Faramuth, and that seems reasonable to me. Um, Then we've got Marcus Brown, George Kittle shows up as a value in this range as well, as does Tom Brady, because why not, I guess, team all guy. And uh, Donald Mooney comes in as a 25th value overall. Again, I hate that. I really want to move him up a tier. But, like, it feels like, especially if Justin Fields doesn't break out, which I don't expect this year, and the team doesn't drastically reverse, like, unless he hits the top 12 this year, I think he becomes, like, a cautionary tale of the top 24 players, you know? he's He becomes the new Marcus Brown. Um, and... Uh, before that, it was Tyler Lockett, that player who's always in the top 24, but no one values right. And so before it was Tyler Lockett, then it's Marcus Brown, and both of those are still undervalued. But Donald Moody could fall into that category. And he's been drafted 75th overall in ADP as a wide receiver 23. I'm willing to take him 20 spots higher than that if it helps. At wide re- uh, 51st overall as a wide receiver 18. I really do think he's a top 12 upside. But if he doesn't hit the top 12, he'll probably lull into like this perpetual value, which is great. 
but always kind of frustrating because he should have more value as well as points. Um, and that's why I'm having a hard time jumping him up enough in my tiers that he would show up as a top 15 value overall. But I did want to mention him because, again, he's showing up in my breakout research. I'm really high on him. Like Marcus Brown, like Pat Faramuth, even DJ Moore and, and George Kittle are showing up as, in this range as I am dr- as different on their overall rank and positional rank as I am uh, versus um, consensus ADP. But anyway, I wanted to throw those names out there. Again, if you want to see the breakout research, if you want to see my top 15 values, I have all of this posted on Patreon. I've written it up for Patreon. And I also wrote the consensus values up for DLF, which had a link to a sheet, which took you to the sheet that I just mentioned that not only had DLS consensus values, but also my consent, my values, you looking at my ranks, who was in the top 15 and the top, all of them, uh, as well as all of the other five DLF rankers in Superflex rankings. Uh, so yeah, that's where it is. That's where you can find it. Sorry to talk really quick, but like, I want to go to, I want some sleep before I try and drive to Ohio and I left this too late in the week. So, you know, maybe this isn't a week that you played at a 1.5 speed. I don't know. Um, but let me know what you think. Um, I'd be really interested to hear what you think about both the breakout research and the value research I've come out on on this offseason. We're spiraling towards the season. This is where I've brought the process up after another offseason worth of work. And I'm feeling really good about where it is. I have not only a solid way of looking at who I'm valuing over the market and under the market, um, as well as DLS consensus um, and, you know, just ADP consensus in general. But also, I think I've moved the breakout research along even further to where I'm even happier with it. Um, And yeah, I I think we're in a good spot. We're not going to get anything right, but I think once again, I'm going to get more right than I did last year. So thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week. Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.